Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. On Sunday, May the 26th, I preached a, a message entitled, Your Faith Can Make You Whole. Your faith can make you whole. And it was on uh, just pointing out the fact that there are provisions for us outlined in the word of God and God intends for us to have those provisions, those blessings. And so I wanna talk, I really wasn't sure at the time that I would do this, but I wanna talk more because the Holy Spirit has has uh, stirred me up in some areas of faith. And so I'm gonna talk some more about this in the next few services, understanding uh, how to live by faith. Now listen, don't just write me off and say, well, you know, it's just, a, just another series on faith. Uh, there's a, a, a friend of, of uh, Kendra's was visiting in the office, friend of, of the office staff was here uh, earlier this week and she was telling us a story. She comes from a church that was founded by a pastor. He was a Rama grad and the church was founded by him and he established the church on the principles of faith, living faith in God, living by faith, how to believe God for, for uh, all of your needs being met and so forth. This, this lady went ahead and went on to tell us though that, for, I don't remember exactly what happened, but at some point in time, that pastor, after many years, left that church. He died. Well, another pastor came in and took the pastorate and he didn't know anything much about faith. In other words, he, it's not that he didn't know anything about faith, but he didn't know a lot about the active principles of using your faith on purpose to receive from God. Well, because he didn't understand a lot about it, he never taught on it. And this lady told us that the pastor, he's a great man, he's a wonderful pastor. I'm sure he ministers on a lot of good things, but he just no longer, they didn't get this message of faith. And she said, over a period of time, in just a few years, she said she discovered that people in the church no longer know how to believe God. Just in the congregation at large, that most of the people, uh, they just seem to, to, to lose it, to, to lose their grasp. Well, that's because tradition and unbelief are relentless. Traditions and unbelief are relentless. They continually try to get in and work their way back into your life and to push you out of the blessing of God. That's why we can't stop focusing on faith. Pastor Greg made a comment this morning. He said he's so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Listen, in my life, in my experience as a Christian, there are two things that are central, that I've found central to me in, in, in success and living the way God wants me to live and, and, and uh, being able to follow his will. And that is the agency of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and makes it alive and I'm able to be led by the Spirit. So there's the agency of the, of the Holy Spirit and then the principles of faith. Faith is so important. We often, or people often, think of faith 
uh, as something that you use in an emergency or it's something that is to be used on the big problems of life. For, exen- for, for, for example, an attack on your health. And, and from time to time, because our bodies are mortal, because of the fall of Adam, you know, our bodies uh, became mortal. The word mortal just simply means doomed to die. Well, because our bodies are mortal, there is that mortality working in it and the devil is always trying to bring something against us. And so a lot of times we look at faith as something that you use, for instance, against you know, an attack of our, on, our, on our health or an attack on our finances or an attack you know, uh, in the lives of one of our loved ones. But for the Christian having been recreated as we have been in vital union with the Lord Jesus Christ. You realize that we were, when we were born again, we were not just uh, given a new birth apart from God. We were born into union with Christ. We became actually part of Christ. We're, we're united to him, not just by association not just by our doctrine and what we believe, we're united to him in our spirit. We're connected to him. Well, for Christians who have been uh, recreated in union with Christ this way, there is an inherent yearning on the inside of every believer. There's an inherent yearning to live in, in continual dynamic fellowship with God. What I mean by that is is experiencing a a very real interaction with God in all of the things that we do in life. Now, I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about somebody that walks around with their head in the clouds, you know, and, uh, you know, always just praying. You can't even ask them a question because they give you weird answers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people just like you and me You have people who are uh, engaged in life and, uh, you know, we're reasonably informed on on the current events of the world and what's going on in society. We can have conversations with people. We're interested in people we meet, whether it's on the job or just, you know, at the supermarket checkout line. We're we're knowledgeable. Uh, uh, We have, uh, most of us, fairly good personalities, you know, But what I'm talking about, so I'm talking about living a normal life, but with a constant sense of being in fellowship with God and being being able to interact with him all during our day as the need arises and 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 as things turn our attention to him. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I want you to notice a very familiar scripture. Notice that in Romans, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says that so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The thing that stood out to me when I was meditating on this recently was that phrase, so then faith comes. Notice faith is not stagnant. It's not static. Faith comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no such thing as a person 
living with a just just possessing in, on a on a on a static basis, just possessing strong faith. That doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Because faith is something that is, is continually coming to us and it tells us how by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. We, it doesn't, faith doesn't come by having heard. So it doesn't matter how much you have heard. Faith comes by hearing. It doesn't stay, it comes. Are you listening to me? An individual that I believe probably uh, possessed the greatest comprehension of faith of anybody I've ever known was Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth E. Hagin. And a lot of people said about him, oh, that, that Kenneth E. Hagin, he was a man of great faith. But he would tell you on every occasion that faith comes by hearing and it's something that you have to continually put into you. Faith has to continually be ministered to your spirit by the word of God. You're not going to, you can, you can know all about the provisions of God. You can know all about the blessing of God. You can know about what belongs to you, where your health is concerned and your finances are concerned and where your family is concerned and, and so forth. You can know all of those things and know the steps to believe God, but if you're not putting word into you on a continual basis, you're, you're not ready. You're not ready to exercise that faith that's in your mind. You're not ready. You're not ready to act on what you know because it's not fresh. Faith comes by hearing. It's, a, it's an ongoing, continual process. Amen. And so, like I said, some people view faith as, as something that's to be used you know, in an emergency on the big problems of life. But when you think about it, Nearly every significant aspect of our lives has a divine provision associated with it. Not just our health. See, health, our health is a big thing. We, we talk about that and we make illustrations about how, God, how people believe God for their health because that's something that is, that is uh, it's an area where, where we are often attacked. We often have opportunities to use our faith for our health. It's such an important aspect of our lives. But there are provisions in the word of God that cover every aspect of our life. Just, just virtually everything that we do, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you know, choosing which chair to sit in. I'm not talking about that. But the things that all of, our, all of our dreams, all of our hopes, all of our life's aspirations, the things that are important to us, there's a scripture for it. There's a promise associated with it. There's provision associated with it. But we, we access those things by faith. And only to the extent that we use our faith for those, to, for those things will those things come to us. We're talking about, for instance, you know, since last week, we've been talking about restoration. What a wonderful word from God. 
God is telling us that it's a time right now where he wants to restore something. Well, that's a word of God from us, but it's not gonna happen if we don't mix faith with it. So this is just another example of how you mix faith. Now, when I say virtually every aspect of life, you know, you don't mix faith necessarily with every breath you take or everything that you do. I, you know, some people like, you know, uh, have different kinds of hobbies, the things that you like to do, to, you know, in your, in your free time to relax. You don't necessarily mix faith. It's not necessarily, in other words, it's not necessarily a, a, an area of prayer. If you like to fish, I like to fish, but I don't pray about fishing. I don't have, I don't have, you know, confessions that I make about fishing. But when I go fishing, I always use my faith. When I'm out there, I always believe God to catch fish. And I do. But my point is, that seems like just an insignificant thing in life. And yet, there's an area there when we're, when, if it's important to us and something has a place in our life, there's, a, there's provision for that in the word of God. We can believe God for those things. Well, if that's true, then we ought to be doing it. And if we're gonna, if we're gonna use our faith, we have to be skillful in it. And we have to be up to date in our faith. Amen. This is how we live in dynamic fellowship and interaction with God is by using our faith as the spirit of God directs and brings things to us. He will remind us of, of a scriptural principle that we can use in our daily lives in all the affairs of life. Amen. Our faith is, excuse me, is designed to lay hold of all of life's hopes, hopes and aspirations and bring them into the realm of the here and now. That's what our faith is for. So think about all of the things that if you, if you sat down and made a list of things that are genuinely important to you in your life, if you just sat down and made a list, it would be more than health and finance that it would cover a lot of things. Made a list. I tell you what, if, 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 they're, if they're godly aspirations, if they're consistent with the word of God, there's a provision for you in the Bible. And God wants us using our faith so that we live in that kind, of, that kind of relationship with him on an ongoing basis, that interaction with God because we're joined to Christ and, and we, can, we can fellowship with him around his word and by being led by the Holy Ghost and we do that by using our faith. Go with me over to 2 Peter chapter one. This is a passage that really explains the importance of our faith walk. You know, the scripture says that the just shall live by faith. And that's not just, that's found in, in, in Romans chapter one, verse 17, the just shall live by faith. But that's not just talking about faith for salvation. It's talking about living every day. We live by faith. Paul said, we walk by faith. We sing songs around here about we walk by faith. Amen. 
Well, listen to what Peter said about the place of faith. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter one, let's just start in verse one. He says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith. The margin of my Bible says, those who have received like precious faith. And another note in my margin says, faith of the same value. You know, we have received faith. Now this is, this is faith in the sense of Faith in its, this is talking about faith in its abstract concept. In other words, not, you know, over in Jude, it talks about contending for the faith. That's talking about the Christian faith, the body of doctrine and belief and, and our common salvation and so forth. That's known as the Christian faith. And so there's, there's scriptures that use the word faith that way. But this is using faith, the, the word faith, in the same way that it's used in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So he's talking about to us who have received faith of the same value, faith of the same precious value. Do you, do you ever stop and think about your faith as being valuable, about the value of your faith, the preciousness of your faith? Like I always uh, say real briefly when we're uh, greeting our visitors and I'm telling them about our free gift, you know, that they can uh, receive when they turn in their visitor's card. It's a book on faith. And I tell them that, you know, faith is, is how God, that's how you, you receive from God. God responds to our faith. He doesn't respond to our need. A lot of people think if they have, if they have tremendous need that, that will, God will just be moved by that. Well, he's moved by the feelings of our, of our uh, uh, infirmities and so forth, but he responds to faith. That's what enables him to, 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 to supply that need or to meet that need. It's in exchange for our faith. So that makes faith really precious. And he tells us why it's so precious. He says, grace in, in, in mercy be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, God's power has, has made available to us. Here he says, all things that pertain to life and godliness. It doesn't matter if it's concerning family, child rearing, uh, a special word from the Lord like we received last week about, about restoration. You know, we sing that, uh, that no, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Well, all of those things require faith. No weapon formed against us will prosper if we use the shield of faith. Because I'm telling you, I know of a lot of Christians that weapons formed against them, things the enemies brought against them, is actually prevailing in their lives. 
We see that all around us. But, but we, we have received the, received the exceeding greatness of his power towards us. Covers all things that pertain to life and godliness. And his power has made these things available. Through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Think about, think about the promises of God. Now, when he's talking, when he says promises here, I think that's in the general term uh, or sense of things that are available to us. You know, not, there, it's been said that some things are not promises, they're facts. And on one level, that's true. On one level, God hasn't promised to heal you. On one level, he's already healed you. In other words, Jesus went to the cross and your sins and your sicknesses were placed upon him on the cross and he bore both of those away and the Bible says by his stripes we were healed. Well, if we were healed, we're not trying to get healed. So in one sense, these promises have already come to pass as far as God's concerned, but there's still a promise in the sense that we have to access them. In other words, they're provisions that have been made for us and they're exceedingly great and precious. Well, well, what troubles me sometimes is when I see believers who know the exceeding greatness, the exceeding, exceeding, exceedingly precious promises, they know those things and yet they're not working in their life. And very often there are folks that listen to faith and, and, and if you just ask them how do you get your prayers answered, they can just tell you exactly how to do it, but it's not producing in their lives. Well, why is that? Well, they're, they're not doing something right. I, I remember something that Kenneth Hagin said that uh, he learned from a woman named Lillian uh, Yeoman. He said that she wrote uh, many, many years ago, this is way back in the, in the 30s and 40s, I guess, she wrote some small books on faith that Brother Hagen got a hold of. And she made the statement in there. She said, if I ask God for anything and I don't receive it, she said, immediately I start changing. Because if there's gonna, if I'm not receiving, then something's wrong. Something's gonna have to change and God never changes. He, so if there's gonna be any change of outcome, I'm gonna have to do something different. And Brother Hagin said when he read that, he, he, he got a hold of that. He said he had used that all of his life. He said, it served me well all of my life. When I asked God for anything, according to the word of God, he said, if I don't receive it, I start changing. But you know what a lot of people do? They don't change. They just keep plowing and plowing and plowing, just quoting the same scriptures, going, over th going through the same process over and over and over. Listen, if it's not working, analyze what you're doing. He said, if I ask God for anything and I don't receive it, I start changing. What does that mean? That means if you'll pray and listen to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will instruct you. Now, you, you, you looked at this scripture and you applied it this way, but what about this other verse? The Holy Spirit will open up to you where you're missing it. 
Amen. And a, and a lot of times it's right along areas that we know that we could, we could write down on a piece of paper, but for one reason or another, we're actually not doing what we know to do. Amen? And so this teaching is designed to, to, uh, to stir us up again and hone our skills. We need to hone our faith skills. Sharpen what we know. Amen. He goes on to say, whereby have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, that is these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We, we, God is offering us to partake of the divine nature. Now this word partake in the original Greek, there's, there's, there's a couple of different meanings and they're apparent in the English language as well, the word partake. One sense of the word is to partake of something is to share in it. In other words, to receive a, a portion of it. If you partake of a birthday cake, hopefully you don't eat the whole thing. You, 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 you partake of a portion of it. You share a portion of it. But there's another sense of this word and, and actually when you look up the English word partake, the first two meanings mean to take part in. And then secondly, to participate in. God wants us, and, it, and the same is true in the, in the original Greek. In fact, the NIV reads this way where it says that we might be partakers. The NIV Bible reads that we might be participants in the divine nature. So we were born again and we have God's divine nature. We're, we're, we have God's we are born of his nature, of his life, of his substance. The very life that's in God is in us. But he wants us, so in that sense, we have shared in it, in that divine nature by virtue of the new birth. But notice, this isn't talking about the new birth. This is talking about the promises of God. The promises of God are what enable us to participate in that nature. That's what I'm talking about, about living a life where there is continual fellowship, interaction with God, a dynamic interaction with God where, we, where he's, we're in contact with him and we're responding to his word and he's responding to our faith. That puts us in a place where it's not ordinary Christianity, it's not ordinary religion. It's not just living life by a code of conduct and trying to please God. It's, it's getting up every day aware that, that God is on the inside of you, that his spirit is living in you, that God has promised to, to supply whatever it is you see when you first wake up in the morning, the very first need you're conscious of, you're conscious there's a scripture for that. And, and, and you're, and you're fellowshipping with God around the word of God in connection with the things that you have to do that day. And there's just this constant flow all during the day where your faith is being extended to God and he's responding to you. Oh, we get to participate in the divine nature. It takes, Christianity is unlike any other religion. I don't even like to call it a religion. I know in the general you know, definition of religion it fits, but it's so different than any other form of religion in that we actually have a relationship with God. 
It's not a philosophy, it's life. It's not just a doctrine. It's not, it's not a, 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 a system of conduct and code. And it's, it's, it's living relationship. God actually lives on the inside of us. He's actually given us his word that we can, and, and then he's given us the opportunity to take that word and act on it in faith and see the provision and the promise that he's made concerning that area of our life. See it come to pass. Oh, hallelujah. No other so-called religion offers anything close to that. Hallelujah. Woo, praise God. Well, how does it come? How does faith come? By hearing. Hearing and hearing and hearing. Glory to God. God brought the message of faith into prominence in the 1970s. Started maybe a little before that, but as far as reaching national, uh, 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 nationally recognized movement, this really happened in the 1970s. The faith message, the word of faith movement. God raised this message and brought this truth into prominence in the body of Christ. There is no denying that God orchestrated the word of faith revival. There's no denying it. I mean, out of obscurity, from the most unlikely uh, places, God raised up men and women who, who began to teach and, and bring this truth and actually restored the understanding of faith to the body of Christ. And the word of faith, the, the message of, of, of faith, active faith in God, not, not just general faith, but active faith in God, this message has reached all of, the, all of the major religions have been affected or the major denominations have been affected. It's gone around the world. God raised this up, but he did it for a purpose. I'm completely convinced that it wasn't, at the time, we kinda, I know I kinda had the idea that God had raised this message up so we could know how to get our needs met. So, I, so we could learn how to, you know, you know, how to have a nice house and, a, and, and live well and, and, and live healthy and, and be victorious. Well, that's all part of it. But I'm convinced that God raised this message up and brought it to where it was to prepare us for the last days. Because you see, to, to live and to accomplish God's will for our lives, it takes faith. Not general faith. In other words, when I say it takes faith, it takes a person living by faith. Intentionally, on purposely, on purpose, consciously applying the word of God for, for the, uh, to, in order to live in a way that pleases him and to do his will. God has a lot for us to accomplish in the last days. And certainly he wants our bodies well. Certainly he wants to prosper us. Certainly he wants us to live in joy and peace and fullness. But more, even more than that, he wants us to be agents of bringing redemption to mankind. Helping people see that God loves them, that, that there's an answer in this crazy world. I tell you what, we're living in a crazy world. We're living in a world right now where people are embracing barbarism either, either actively or by just turning their, their, their back on it and pretending it doesn't exist. People, 
the most civilized nations of the world are making excuses for barbaric behavior. Well, we don't want to talk about it because it's politically incorrect. Listen, we're living in a nutty, crazy, mixed up world. And Christianity, the life of Christ, living inside and through believers is the light of this world. I tell you what, God wants us to be a bright, glowing testimony to people around us. Well, that's not gonna happen by not reading our Bible, being trodden underfoot by everything that comes along, every kind of, uh, of setback, every kind of negative uh, uh, pressure or, or, or uh, situation in life, constantly being knocked down, defeated, bad-mouthing everybody, poor-mouthing all the time. That We're not gonna be the light. We will be the light when we exemplify the victory of God. Amen. That's why we're teaching on faith. Notice this scripture over in, in 1 John. I'll close with this. 1 John chapter five. First John 5, 4, for whatever or whoever you could say is born of God overcomes the world. Whoever or whatever is born of God. That's talking about people and then it's talking about anything God's doing. You know, sometimes we, we say that God's led us to do something, but if it's not of God, it won't overcome. Anything that's of God will overcome. But notice, not automatically. It says, whoever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You see, it's, it's, it's active faith on our part, taking the promises of God and applying them and getting, res listen, we need to be more result driven. I said, we need to be more, more result driven. Too many people are willing to just continue to bet, bang their head against the wall, so to speak, where areas of need are in their lives and shrug their shoulders and say, well, you know, I'll just keep, if I just keep doing, if I just keep doing the same thing long enough, something will happen. It's not what Lillian Yeoman said. She said, if I ask God for anything and, and I don't get it, I don't just keep going that same route. I don't keep asking the same way. I don't keep doing the same. Something's got to change. Listen, we need to be result oriented. When we go to God in prayer, we need to expect an answer and, and not be willing to not receive. Not be willing to just go week after week after week after month after month after month and nothing changes. If nothing changes, then we're not making our connection. I said, if nothing, if nothing changes, we're not making our connection. We need to go back and examine, well, what, what, where did we miss it? When Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them, he didn't mean 30 years later. When you've completely forgotten about it. 
because it never came to pass. And you just moved on. Whatever things you desire, he said, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I don't know about you, I, I'm gonna have them. I'm not satisfied not having. Listen, I'm not, I know there's a, there's a time, I understand the time that there's a, there's a principle you believe you receive first and we're gonna talk about that, but the, the having has to come. And if the having's not, is not manifesting, then I need to go back and find out, well, where, where did I not do what God said to do? What principle did I, I was, I was talking to the Lord about my foot. I'll just give you an example. You know, about what, three weeks ago, I broke my foot. I jumped into my swimming pool, uh, just flat-footed in the shallow end without thinking and came down on my left heel and, oh, it hurt so bad. I thought, oh, man. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I couldn't put, I got out. And I thought, well, I've just, you know, bruised it. You know, I couldn't put any weight on that foot at all. I mean, I just, I just couldn't do it. So I limped in here went that Wednesday night and sat down by, uh, behind the, the pulpit, you know, on the stool. And, and uh, is that, was that Wednesday night I did that? Yeah. Huh? And Sunday. And, uh, you know, I immediately went to God in prayer. I said, God, I, you know, I went to the doctor the next day. I want to see what I'd done. And sure enough, they showed me an x-ray. It, it was broken. And uh, so I started claiming my healing. Well, it, it didn't get any better. And so I went to the Lord in prayer. I said, now, wait a minute. You said whatever. If, if, if I have a broken foot and I, and I ask you for my healing and I believe I receive it, I'm not, I'm not wanting it three months from now. I'm not wanting it to just get better ordinarily. You know, your, a, a broken bone will heal over time. That's not what I'm after. I'm basic uh, human whatever, what's the term, will, will cause your, your, a broken bone to heal. That's not, I said, not God, that wasn't what I asked for. I asked for you to heal my foot now. And so I remembered what Brother Hagin said about what Lillian Yeoman said and I, and I went back and read it again. I said, okay, Lord, where am I missing it? Where am I missing? You know what he said to me? I mean, I believed I received it. I went through all the steps. You know what the Lord said to me? He, he took me back to Romans chapter four where it says that Abraham did not consider his own body. And then he took me over to, to uh, 2 Corinthians where it says we walk by faith and not by sight. And then he took me over to the fourth chapter where it says it, while we continually look not at the things that are seen but at the things that are not seen. He said every time you step on that foot, you go, oh man, that hurts. He said that's not considering not your body that's considering your body. That's not looking at the things that are not seen. That's looking at the thing. I, I mean, I was saying, oh, thank you, Lord, for my healing. Oh, thank you, Lord, for my healing. Oh, man, thank you, Lord, for my healing. He said, you're looking at things that are seen, and as long as you keep, look, keep looking at them, it can't change. See, that's what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit will take you back and show you, and you go, I know that. I, I learned that. 40 years ago, I know that. When I started doing that, 
I started refusing every time, every time I put my weight on that foot and I felt that, I mean, it hurt. I wore a, I wore a boot. The doctor gave me this, this boot. Actually, Angela broke her foot a number of years ago and he tried to give me a new boat, a new boot. And I said, I don't want to buy a new one. I already have one. So I took hers out, you know, and, and put it on. And, and every time I walked in it and it hurt, I thought, well, that's not doing me any good. So I took the boot off and I'm hobbling around. I'm thinking about how bad it hurts. Well, when the Lord corrected me, then every time I put my weight on that, it, it was still broken. Every time I put my weight on that, and that, I said, nope, I'm not looking at that and I'm not considering that. What am I considering then? If I'm not gonna look at the things that are seen, I'm to look at the things that are not seen. Well, the things that are not seen are the, are the, the provision that God's given me. I don't see the evidence of it. I don't feel the evidence of it, but I'm looking at it. So that's when every time I'd feel that pain, I'd say, oh, I thank God that Jesus by himself, he took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses and by his stripes, I'm healed of a broken foot. Glory to God. And, and yeah, it still hurt, but I wasn't looking at it anymore. I stopped considering it and instead I considered Jesus. I considered the word. I considered the promise. Healed. Healed. In a matter of a, of a couple of days, I mean, I'm walking normally. No, no, no pain, no limping, no favoring that, no, you know, just praise God. Well, it comes because the Holy Spirit corrected me. But see, what if I had just done and just said, well, you know, oh, just thank you for my, ow. Thank you, Lord, for my healing. Ow, man, that hurts. And just continued to look at it, it'd still be hurting. It'd still be hurting. Three weeks later, it'd still be hurting. Praise the Lord. About two days later after I'd done that, I went to the office and I was at the office all day long and I never thought about my foot. About two days later. I got home that afternoon and, and it's about seven o'clock at night and I was announcing it. Wait a minute. I have, my foot has a, I haven't even thought about my foot. Now it hadn't even crossed my mind that I had a broken foot. Glory to God. Faith works, but we have to have the Holy Spirit help us to apply the things that we know and bring them to our remembrance. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.